Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Proverbs chapter 3, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you do in our life. We recognize, Father, that as you approach us with your word, you approach us with a life-changing alternative, Father, and that it is our responsibility to receive that into our hearts. And so, Father, today, make us open receptors to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 3 has probably... Uh, one of the best known proverbs uh, in, in, the, uh, in the book. Um, it's the one that says, don't lean on your own understanding. And of course, um, that makes for great plaques and, and great bathroom mirror stuff and all that kind of stuff. But I would challenge you just a little bit in any of those favorite scriptures that you have, when you're just reading your Bible, read those areas twice. The first time, Leave out the part you have memorized, okay? Just leave it out. Because what happens is you'll see that nothing in the Bible stands by itself. What you'll find is there's connective kind of tissue that leads you from point A to point B. And so it's really important for you occasionally, especially in just regular devotional times or things like that, to not get bogged down on what you think you already know. So again, I'll I'll say, I don't know what week this is, you know, week 100 uh, of of Proverbs. And and, uh, I'll remind you again that that there are no shallow spots in the wisdom of God. And so if you think you know, you found a a, a shallow spot. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. It's probably more impactful than that. And, and, and all of the Bible is, but Proverbs in particular because of their little one-line nature. Proverbs chapter 3 comes at things kind of differently than the first two chapters. He gives some instructions in the beginning to his son. And so let's look at the first... Uh, uh, I, well, let's just start. It says in verse number 1, My son, so again, he's repeating likely repeating what he learned. He said, do not forget my law. And in one way, it means to be lost in memory. Okay. In another way, it literally means to ignore. (laughs) So you can pick your, your poison here. Sometimes what happens is we end up ignoring the parts that become repetitive or boring. If I had a nickel for everybody, every time somebody came to me and said, in my reading program, I'm reading in Leviticus. And then they have this really brilliant question, why in the world do we need to know that? Okay. Or they're reading in Genesis and there's pages of, of, of birth records. And well, why do we need to know that? And you can get, you can get kind of bored going, I'll never remember this. Besides, who thought up these names? Right? Have you ever done that? I'm reading along and I can't pronounce one out of ten names. And I'm thinking, so I'm just glossing over them going, help me Lord get through this because I'm never going to teach from this area. And so there's a couple of things I want you to remember here. Is at times we will ignore certain areas and certain aspects of God's word. You say, well I don't do that. Then congratulations if you don't do that. But if you do do that, you should pay attention, again, in your, just your regular devotional time. And say, okay, God, I've read this before. I didn't get anything out of it the first time. 
and I'm not even interested in reading it the second time. That's the time I'm talking about. It's not lost in your memory. You're ignoring it. Okay? It says, do not forget my law and let your heart, but let your heart. And again, there's this idea that is throughout many aspects of the Bible that you have a role to play. God likely isn't going to slap you to get your attention, nor is he going to force you to process what he's trying to take you through. It's the reason that many of us struggle with the same things and have a eureka moment 10 years into our struggle. Do you think God didn't want to give that to you in the beginning? Of course he did. And so what happens is we oftentimes will close our heart down. Last week in the main service, we talked about the kind of deception that allows you not to learn. You know, I, I, told, I think I told you the quote from John Wooden, it's what you learn after you know everything that's important. And that becomes really, really big in our life as Bible stu students. And so again, it says, let your heart. We're allowing the heart. Stories within Proverbs are told to make an impact like a proverb does make an impact on your heart. There's a moral to the story. It's an overarching principle that God is trying to get across to us in a general kind of way. So the let part is literally a conscious opening that you make saying, okay, God, I'm going to allow you into this area of my life, right? How many of have, have, have you ever heard truth either in, a, Bible, in, a, in a, a church setting or Bible study setting, where you said, wait, that just doesn't sound right. And yet you opened your heart, however slightly, to the possibility that what you were hearing had some merit. You know, has anybody ever done that? Because I have. Where you're just going, wow, I've never heard that before. And what if? You don't, you don't have to open yourself up to all kinds of deception. You don't have to open yourself up to all kinds of crazy. But you have to open yourself up. You let your heart keep my commandments. There's two sides to keeping, guarding and holding on to. Okay, so holding on to truth as you're processing it, guarding the truth that you have. That's what he's talking about. It says in verse number two, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Now, regardless of where you are in life, when this happens... God intends to add something to you. Does it make sense? You say, well, I don't know what I need. It doesn't make any difference. God does. God knows what you need and he intends through the study of his word to add something to you. And some of it is tough stuff, right? I mean, God is the creator of tough love. And occasionally what he does is give us things that challenge us. And, and honestly, if you think of yourself in the process of maturity, like you see children in the process of, a maturity, of maturity, there are certain things that are really healthy for kids that they really resist. They resist regularly and with some force because they're pretty sure they're right. I mean, I tell the story occasionally. I... I I was fully convinced that by tying a knot between the four corners of a, of a non-fitted sheet off my bed, I, my mom and dad got a new bed. I, I got their old king-size bed. And, and so it had a huge sheet. And I thought, you know what, if I tie these four corners together and then hold on to that knot, I can jump off of a roof and parachute down. 
That seemed like a great idea to me. Well, I've not ever uh, uh, jumped out of an airplane, but I have gone, uh, what do they call that, where they pull you with the boat? Parasailing, I've, I've done that as well, with my wife strapped beside me. And the question in my mind was, my wife is, is, is not uh, 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 the person my size. And so the problem with this parachute is me. And is this thing going to hold you up? And we were like the last people on the boat to get to do it. And everybody else, they slowed down and dipped their feet in the water. Have anybody ever done that? Where the boat slows down like this? They didn't dip me in the water. And I got to thinking about it. I'm going, okay, if they slow down too much, my dip's going to be serious. I'm going to need to water ski. <laughs> right? It's going to be a serious deal. And, and so, you know... Yeah. <laughs> you got to understand that what wisdom does for you, like verse 6, it says length of days. Occasionally, as you're growing up, some of the things you think are really smart aren't so smart. And we do that in, as, as we're now old enough. Our spiritual maturity is the same way. Occasionally, our spiritual maturity is not all it's cracked up to be because we actually believe that we know what we're doing. You can say, well, I do. Well, if you always know what you're doing, it's possible that you should apply for my job. Because the older I get, the less I know what I'm doing. Because God has proven himself to be smarter than me at every turn. So if he's smarter than me, and, you know, I heard you, and you're all going, yeah, right, that's good, Pastor. But on Tuesday, when you think you have life figured out, God is still smarter than us, right? Length of, he's wanting to add something to you. And if you close down to it, in your maturity, how many of you recognize that sometimes God will take you through a time of discipline or difficulty just to add something to your life? And we will whine and complain our way all the way through discipline. I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. I don't. And here's what I always do. No one else has to go through this, God. And in fact, I know people who are worse than me. Get them. I used to preach the Klein golden rule. Do unto others as God does unto you. Worked well. When I was under judgment. Anyway. Verse number three, <laughs> notice, these are, these are really great uh, uh, encouragements for you in your everyday life. Look at verse number three. Let not, again, the allowing issue, you have a responsibility. Let not mercy. Now, let me point something out to you. We're going to come across a scripture sooner or later in Proverbs that tells us that mercy is new every day. In one fashion or another, we're going to find that. We don't ever find that about grace. Grace is static. It's always out. But mercy gets new every day. Why? Because we need it every day. We need it every day. And so what he says is, let not mercy and truth forsake you. This is really difficult because here's, here's what he's talking about. There are times where mercy and truth want to take us in a particular direction. And you can't change the direction of mercy and truth. Truth is truth because God says it is, not because you agree with it. It's truth whether you agree with it or not. 
It's going in a particular direction. And they're saying, don't let it forsake you. What's that mean? Don't let it take a turn without you following it. When it goes off over this direction, but you're absolutely sure you're supposed to be going this way. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. You follow that thing. See, a lot of times people want God to do things, but they don't recognize that mercy, right? Mercy is what God uses to keep us directed. When the children of Israel left Egypt, God said to them, I'm not taking you the shortest way. Now that's kind of a bummer because it took them 40 years to walk 11 days. 11 days across there, man. It's just a little hike across there. He said, I'm not taking it because when they experience war, they'll return to Egypt. Now, I've always struggled with that a little bit because they wanted to return to Egypt all the time. But what God knew about them was that the one thing that would cause them matter-of-factly to turn around and go back to Egypt was war. He said, I didn't take them the short way, lest when they see war, lest when they see the Philistines, they'll turn around. It took God 40 years to prepare them for war. Mercy and truth took a turn. And it took 40 years. So if you'll see these things, you won't let mercy. Mercy and your strength don't work together. Does that make sense? Mercy and your strength don't work together. When you are depending upon your strength, it's more difficult for you to depend on mercy. Why? You think you can get it done rather than God coming along and doing it in you, through you, and for you. I can do it. No, you can't. Right? He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most of us need to draw the weakness line a little closer. Right? Because what we have is, I can do all these things. Right? And we take that one scripture out of context in Philippians. I can do all these things. If you read before that, he tells you what he's not going to do. He's not going to speak in accordance to need. He's not going to do these things. And then what happens is, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking about being able to do all things specifically like what we do when we put it up on the plaque. But rather, they say, you know, I'll let you know, God, if I need any help. Don't let mercy. For middle of it, it says, truth forsake you, bind them around your neck. And let me tell you something about tying something around your neck. It is one of the easiest ways to control you if you'll bind something around your neck. Through this area right here, everything concerning life moves. Intellect from your brain to your heart moves through that area. Breath, the breath of life, moves from your mouth into your lungs through that area. Thought processes from your heart out your mouth move from that area. When something is bound to your neck, it's bound around the very process and flow of life. And if you want to... Well, how many of you recognize the reason you put a leash on a dog is because they can't go very far without their neck? Right? Same, same principle here. Same principle. Okay? Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Now notice this. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's an implication here that you need to pay attention to. Evidently, your heart has a notebook. 
I'll say it again. Evidently, your heart has a notebook. And oftentimes, we write a lot of things down in our physical notebooks, right? But we need to get that physical notebook processed into the notebook of our heart. I was in a pastor's office once, and he had the shiniest, greatest collection of, of books, commentaries, row after row after row of them. Now, the, <laughs> love this little short man, loved him dearly, but you couldn't have gotten another thing on his desk. It was covered in a heap. I'm going, but his books were shiny. I'm going, and called him by name. I said, hey, uh, Pastor, what are all those books? Oh, he says, those are my commentaries. So I grabbed one. You know, and he didn't gasp or anything, but I mean, I could tell that I was like touching the, the sacred keys of the kingdom. And I opened the book I picked, and it, you know how a book that's never been opened or hadn't been opened much, how it cracks? And it went like that, and I thought to myself, he ain't opening these books. If he opened these books, they wouldn't sound this way. And I said, what do you do with them? He said, oh, I look stuff up. Okay. Here's my point. I don't, I don't care if pastors have books. Don't, don't hear me wrong on this one. But it won't do you any good to have a thousand books on the shelf if you don't put anything in the notebook of your heart. Does that make sense? And guess what? God shares the duty, right? God share. He said, I'll, I'll write upon your heart. Ezekiel 36 says, I'll write upon your heart. He says, I'll do these things for you. But he also asks you to write on your heart. Why? Why does God want you to write on your heart? Is God needing that information? No. He needs you to have it. He needs you to recognize. And so what you write on your heart becomes really, really important. If all you write on your heart is what you already believe, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, oh, yep, that's what it is. Then you're probably doing most of your education in the flesh. Spiritual information moving from your spirit man to your soul guy, especially if you're kind of governed at times like many of us are, myself included, with your flesh and with the interests of your soul. Information from your spirit guy into your soul is going to wreck your world. Because God's going to be saying to you by the process of moving from one area to the other, this is how you should live. And it'll come in there and try and take up residence in how you live today. How many of you have ever had God attack or, 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 or convince you about your attitude? How many of you ever worked more than 20 years on that attitude? You came up with that. You blame your inheritance of your parents. Well, I'm this way because my parents were this way. I've always been this way. In fact, people are just idiots who aren't like me. That happens in your soul. And when that moves across, you got to write those things on your heart. When you write on your heart that God is not pleased with my attitude, right? What most people want to write in their heart is God is not pleased with their attitude. You know the truth for other people. That's not what God is saying. You write them on your heart. It should wreck your world every once in a while. Aren't you encouraged that I say these things to you? 
It should wreck your world every once in a while. You say, well, I don't want it to. Exactly. We are working through biblical truth to make our life comfortable. Let me tell you, I love it when the Bible agrees with me. Don't you? I mean, honestly. Man, when I find something in the Bible that I kind of already think, I already agree with, I'm like, man, God is smart. He's like me. Let this writing take place. <coughs> Excuse me. And notice in verse number four, it says, and so find favor. Did you see it? Favor is the selective resting of God's eternal truth in a visible way on you. Favor is God's truth, his ways, reflecting or sitting on you in a noticeable manner. There's favor. How many of you have ever watched somebody go through something and go, how'd they do that? And you recognize that God has they have tapped into and God has allowed that favor that he has. It doesn't mean he likes them better. It means here's this thing that's available. Right? Rick, <laughs> Rick and Cheryl uh, evidently went to the doctor up in Greeley. He called me the other day and he says, you want a cookie? Well, I just want to tell you right now, that's a dumb question. If, 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 and he went to crumble. And so I, I got myself, a, I got myself a, a paper plate out of the deal one morning. He called me. He said, well, just come by. I'll give you a cookie. And so I came by like a beggar with, one, with my plate, right? <laughs> and I had this plate. And I said, you know, begging for cookies today. And I thought he was going to put one cookie on there. And he gave me a box of six. Yeah, see? Now you say, well, is that favor? I was expecting one. Now, that's a human way. I know some of you are going, well, cookies, what's the big deal? Right. See, when you do that, I didn't tell him to buy me six cookies cost like $30. I mean, they're crazy amounts of money. Really? Yeah, they're this, they're, you see, <laughs> I'm sorry, I caught you. <laughs> yeah, they're four or $5 a piece. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, see, she can't even imagine that. But, but. What's that? Well, I don't know whether they're worth it or not. Here's the thing. I didn't buy them. I don't have to determine value. Because, and I'm not trying to, to, you know, puff Rick up. And I'm also not trying, please don't bring me a bunch of crumble cookies. <laughs> because, yeah, because like you, I don't need six crumble cookies. I have at least three of them in my freezer and I will bring them out. We cut them in pieces of six so they're about this wide. And just a little one little piece of cookie is really good. It can take you a long time to eat them cookies. But I didn't ask him for those things. And I don't want to think for him. But somehow in the midst of that was a favoring thought process was a favoring thought process. God does that. He has a favoring thought process. In fact, you can consider yourself disobedient when you don't think like God. He has a favoring thought process. So you want to go over there and get in that line. What does that mean? What does it mean to get in the line of favor? Well, first of all, if you're going to find favor, you're going to have to bind mercy and truth around your neck. 
You're going to have to not let it, because that's what follows this. So, let find favor and what? High esteem. High esteem. Now, I don't know which one of these is better, but high esteem, this kind of honor that God's offering here, or that the psalmist is, or the uh, proverb guy is, is offering, this high esteem, this recognition that comes from these things being in play. High esteem. Now, notice what it says, in the sight of God. Wow. God's not a respecter of individuals, but because of favor, he looks at us at times differently than he looks at others. Because of favor. The only other option for you when when God uses you in a spectacular way is to think that you have all the stuff together. And so God had no choice but to use you because you're so good. Or favor hits you. Come on. There's not a person in here that doesn't have some level of secret sin. Sorry. You say, well, I don't. The fact that you say you don't says you do. First John says, if a man says he has no sin, he's a liar. We all have it. I'm not, I'm not trying to magnify that. But why would God use someone like us? See, favor and high esteem apart from the goof-ups that we make. And I know this is not always a popular message because what we want from people is a level of perfection that makes us comfortable. Right? Have you ever been in a church service and wondered why God would use that person? Because maybe you saw how they acted once or heard or maybe there's a level of criticism in your own heart. Man, I have that all the time. I have people who I sit under who misuse my favorite scriptures on a regular basis. Just going to point that out to you. I think when they get to heaven, they'll find out I was right and they were wrong. Because in my world, come on, in my world, right and wrong is a big deal. Right and wrong isn't a big deal. If God, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Come on, stay with me. Don't look up here like, oh, I just can't believe he's saying that. Right and wrong's not the issue. Now, you shouldn't choose to be wrong, but right and wrong's not the issue. Honor, unity with God is the issue. If you will honor God, even when you make the occasional goof up, God will still be right there with you. If you'll turn when mercy turns, you know, sometimes mercy will turn in your life to take you away from something that God doesn't have in your future. How many ever heard a get rich quick scheme from a Christian? Well, if you'll just do this, sell this stuff, buy this stuff, stand in the corner on your head this way, then God will. Mercy, if that's what God is saying to you, I don't care. You can sell Amway if you want or whatever the newest, bestest thing. You know, we got a ministry with Amway. Everybody's selling Amway. And of course, if you can get the pastor to sell Amway, got a captive audience of 100 people or whatever to sell Amway to. And you know how they sell it, right? How they sell it to you. I mean, I've had, I've had people make appointments with me to introduce me to how I'm going to be rich. Mercy will turn you from that. Right? Truth will, 
I've never met anybody who was doing those things that wasn't working pretty hard. And I was always thinking, I'm already working hard. Now all I got to do is put this other thing in there. Amen. You guys okay? <laughs> verse 5. <clears throat> he says, in the sight of, or verse 4, in the sight of God and who? Man. Notice that God doesn't leave out how you're seen in the world in accordance with his truth, his mercy, his favor, his esteem that happens in your life. If you'll follow the, the biblical truths, man will see you differently. Thank you. Verse 5. Here's the part we know, right? So he says, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, now let's go back to that verse. Verse 3. Write them on the tablet of your you're going to have to write on the tablet of your heart the instruction to trust and not in good times. I can trust God when everything's, you know, I got money in my pocket today. Things are going good. My car started when I went out there. You know, the, 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 the heater, the heat, <coughs> the electric seat still works. Push that button and it's all toasty. Man, it's a good day. Is my day going to be any less if I go out there and my car doesn't start? Come on. You know, well, I don't like going through this stuff. It's okay because God spoke to you and you wrote on your heart the financial plan of having an emergency fund. And so when your car broke, what did you do? You said, thank you, Jesus, for instructing me in the emergency. And you wrote it on your heart. You will not do very many things you don't write on your heart. So you can think it sounds like, a, come on, how many of you thought it sounded like a good idea to save money? How many of you did it? Well, I can't afford to. Poppycock. You can. Yeah, you really can. It's just like our government. You can save money. Want to know how? Stop spending. You say, well, but I got it. Nope. Don't come at me and tell me what you got to do. You don't even have to leave your house. You say, well, but I, I do need to. And then you come up with these things. I'm not saying you should stay in your house. I'm saying don't come at me with these ideas about why you can't. Write it on your heart and you'll do everything humanly possible to move towards God's truth in your life when you write it on your heart. You will do that. I will tell you, when God spoke to Tracy and I about saving, now we have a little problem. We can't draw money out of our savings account because it hurts too bad. I don't know what we're going to do if we ever need it, but it hurts too bad to, to move it. And you say, really? If I had, if I had an extra $1,000, you know what I'd do? I don't, I don't even care what you'd do. Well, I'd buy this. You can't buy it for $1,000. Well, but I can pay for it over time. <laughs> See, you already stepped on something that I wrote on my heart. If you can pay for it over time, Y'all let God write, and I, I picked finances on purpose because I'm trying not to step on you, and then I realize I'm probably stepping on you. You got to write some stuff on your heart. Amen? So that you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. So here's what you write. 
Okay, God, I heard you. I made a mistake before. But when that thing comes around again, I'm never making that mistake again because I'm going to write the solution to it on my heart. I can. I, I, I'll never forget when we had this, this uh, need for a car several years ago. And so Tracy and I had been saving and saving. And, and, and I thought, well, God's going to favor me. So I found cars that I couldn't afford. Found cars I couldn't afford and took all the money I had and went and looked at them. And this little nurse lady who had probably helped this guy through a situation, probably they inherited the car. She was married to a Ukrainian or a, a foreign, foreign guy. And uh, they wanted uh, a few thousand dollars more than I had, but I had cash. And so I set my cash on the trunk of the car. I'm going to give you this for your car. Boom. And I want to just tell you something right now. That man couldn't grab that money fast enough and sell me his car. Now, you say, well, is that favor? I choose to believe that's favor. You can believe, well, you're just lucky. Well, first of all, I choose not to believe in luck. Okay? Luck means that, that societal circumstances are better than God's plan for you. I just refuse to believe that. When you lean on your own understanding... You would never make the mistake of offering someone less for what they wanted to sell their car for. Thank you for that thunderous applause. So you don't understand favor. You say, well, but you're, you're, you're cheating. I didn't cheat them. They got the opportunity to say yes or no. If they say no, I'm walking. You say, really? You'd walk away? Oh, I wanted that car bad. And I would have walked away. Why? Because I wrote it on my heart. And so now in verse 5, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Well, all my heart is just this, this ambiguous term until you start writing stuff in there. <laughs> Trusting the Lord with all your heart is ambiguous until you write something in there. That's specific to you. Well, amen. I thought you'd get more excited about that. But it's okay. Lean not... On your own understanding. That word for lean there literally means as a support structure. As a What is holding up your life? My understanding. My understanding holds up my life. I lean on my own understanding. He's asking you not to do that. So what are you going to write on your heart? This is not how God intended for me to live, to lean on my own heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In fact, God, this is what I understand from you. You're writing these things on your heart. In all your ways. You see it? <clears throat> in all your ways means in whatever language you want to translate it. In every way that you can possibly think and act. In all your ways. In all your way. You say, well, but, but pastor, you don't understand. Nope. If you're going to use the world's ways to get what you think you need spiritually, you're going to get a reward that comes from the corruptness of your flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh corruption. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. Right? 
Let me give it to you in real straight. You can't cheat your way to biblical prosperity. You can't. You say, well, yeah, but the government doesn't deserve our money or this, that, or 17 other ways in which we cheat. Right? I had to go back to a, a business one time because I was sure that they charged me wrong. And I owed them more money. And God bugged me and bugged me and bugged me about it until I had to go back. Why? Because at some point, I wrote on my heart, whatsoever you sow, that shall you reap. I didn't like the application under these circumstances. Does that make sense? Well, you're getting something for nothing, Pastor, way to go. No, no, I'm, I'm cheating. Something rolling across the floor. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Notice, and he shall direct your paths. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to submit yourself to his direction. <laughs> if you're going to do this, you're going to have to submit yourself to his direction. It, I'm sorry. This... this blind, you know, process that we go into that says, well, God wants what I want. Maybe. But maybe he wants to direct your path in a way that you can't get your mind around for what you can't yet see for what he intends to do in the future. See, you need to be lined up for that. I contend that many people's futures are short-circuited by their short-sightedness today. Because they're not going to let God direct their path because the direction today looks like a bad decision. Looks like it's going to cost you something. I remember in, in our first church when, when God said to me that I don't ever want you to compromise my word. And people would sit in our church with their hands folded, frowning at me. Because they didn't like what I was saying. And some that were honest enough would come up to me after the church and after the service and tell me they didn't like what I was saying. And I said, God, what am I going to do? Nobody likes me. Guess what I wrote on my heart after that? God likes me. And it became an audience of one. If I lean on my own understanding, you people need to like me for me to be happy. You people need to like me for me to be happy. It's hard. It's hard to stand up here week after week. And, and you know, and just, like the, just like just a little bit ago when, when Kristen couldn't believe how much cookies cost. And I just caught her out of the corner of my eye. And she's looking at the people sitting on either side going, you paid $30 for cookies? You know, I mean, I could read and she's shaking, she's doing that. She's shaking her head. She's talking about cookies, you know. <clears throat> and just so that you know, the point was favor. <laughs> Where you got stuck was on the 30 bucks. <laughs> right? But see, that's what happens. We get to that place and we don't really understand because direction is what we're trusting in God. He'll turn your boat in a moment. Look at that, verse number six. In all your ways, he will direct your path. It means to give direction, but it also means to make smooth in your life. Or to make direct. 
not, not directions, but a direct path, smooth and straight. There we go, smooth and straight. How many of you are looking for a smoother path? But see, you want to trust yourself for it. You don't like what God does in our life sometimes. Notice it says in verse number seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. This would make a great coffee cup. But nobody would buy it. Because this is not our prayer. Oh God, remove the perception of wisdom that I have about myself and let me have yours. You'll have to write that on your heart. I've, I've known myself included plenty of people who were, who, were, who were smart in their own eyes. They had life figured out. And when God got a hold of them, their life changed. And now they're pretty sure they're not smart about anything, but the rest of us are looking at them going, wow, there's some wisdom in that. But they're going, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know. I, I, I have no answers. I'm just trusting God. And now the rest of us look and go, man, does that look like a wise decision? See, when you look at other people who have done that, what you see is the wisdom of God. You don't see what they went through to write that on their heart. That, does that make sense? Now, I've, some of you have been my friends for a long time. And you've come to me and said certain things. Like, here's what God said to, to me. And, and it was this revelation of, I'm going to use Larry, can I use you? Larry Gardner came to me once and he said something along these lines. He says, well, God owns everything. Everything I have, God owns. And I went, hey, that's kind of a simple revelation. Way to go. It changed how he operated. And occasionally I would look at him and he would, we would meet together. And I think, you're crazy as a hoot owl. I mean, you're just nuts. He would make, he would make wholesale. I said, where's Cindy at with all this? Well, she's, she's coming along. <laughs> he would make wholesale decisions based on what God said to him. I had a friend at my last church. He sold $400,000 worth of cows because of a vision he had sitting on a fence post 25 yards behind his house. The only reason you had that vision is because where you were sitting was uncomfortable. He says, nope, that's what God said to me. And I'm telling you what, that was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And on Friday, the cattle were gone. And I went, huh. And everybody looked at him. He said, his name was Lloyd. He said, Lloyd, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lloyd? See, they're questioning why, because it doesn't look wise. Oh, just hang on. Because God was a market timer in Lloyd's life at that point. And he sold the cattle at the top of the market and the cattle market fell out of bed for the next three and a half or four months. And because Lloyd had a sack of money, guess what he did at the bottom of the market? Bought more cows. Cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty neat stuff. He says, it's okay, they're God's cows. I went, yeah, but it's $400,000. I mean, right? It's the $30 cookies. You get, you get caught up. Come on, don't you all ever get caught up in the money? You do. Don't be wise in your own sight. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Figure out your part. Depart from evil. Right? It will be health to your flesh, verse 8 says, and strength to your bones. 
Now, I intended to get further because coming up here, you know, let me read 9 and 10 because it changes in 11. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. You got to write that on your heart. And with the first fruits of your increase, all your increase. So your barns will be full. Notice he says when you give stuff away, your barns will be full. Your vats will overflow with new wine. And then he goes into a different kind of a, of a thing that we'll pick up next week. Are you all with me? Are you reading it a little bit? I know that I've asked you to, and I hope you are. And uh, this is the, you know, 45th day. So you should have read Proverbs once plus chapter 15. You know, so you should be on your second time through possibly. You say, wow, Pastor, are you keeping track? Pretty easy, one a day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for teaching us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.